Mics. Graham, good afternoon. It's Friday. Coming to you on another yet again on an unplanned time slot, but we're here. We are, and you are traveling to Indianapolis tomorrow. I am getting. God ready. help me. God help us all. Like the like the sign said, God help us beat Alabama. Uh, I want to believe. I want to believe. Graham, you believe. I know you do. I know you oh, do. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, man. You know, here we are, round two, right? Like a month later, which makes this definitely interesting from the standpoint of what we do on this show, which is look at film and stats and trends and try and figure out how two teams are going to attack each other. The first time this went down, uh, Georgia didn't do any of the things that we expected, which really, I think, threw both of us off a little bit because they, you know, not to toot our own horn too much, but like for the first 12 weeks of the season, we basically laid out key plot points of every game script in terms of how Georgia was going to attack who they were playing and how that team was going to attack Georgia. And uh, then everything got blown to shit in Atlanta. We actually, we actually were right for 13, 12 games and a quarter and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, and the Michigan game too, you know, like, yeah, that played out exactly how we thought it was going to. Um, So yeah, man, you know, I'm trying to, figure out if like Nick Saban is just that, that good or if Kirby smarts in his head or uh, if Georgia was sandbagging this thing a little bit and didn't want to show everything in case they found themselves in the situation they do now a month later. Yeah. um, You know, I I know you've got some plays you want to look at and I went and I was in the stands for the SEC championship game and, I, you know, be completely honest, I did not go back and watch the broadcast until this week right now, getting ready for this game. And, um, you know, there were a lot of mistakes. We, Georgia made a lot of mistakes. And if they can clean up, you know, a good frack, a number of those, not every single one, Alabama's got good players. They're going to get, they're going to get beat. Not every play was made because a Georgia player made a mistake and you're going to, but limiting those and, uh, and correcting some of the obvious ones, getting pressure to Bryce Young is, is critical. And I think Georgia can do that. Um, you know, the offense didn't play as bad as, as one would think. They made some huge mistakes, but all in all, they actually had a higher success rate um, than Alabama's offense. Um, they just didn't have the big explosive plays and that critical turnover um, and pick six. And also uh, either it was a red zone interception or, or an a, a interception deep in the Alabama territory. Those will kill you. They absolutely did. So um, and even then, you know, we third quarter, we were, you know, we just needed a couple drives and we could have been back in that game. Didn't happen. Where do you want to start, Graham? Uh, yeah, let's get into do our outline. Um, so kind of going back and looking at Georgia-Bama 1, um, some key things that I want to go back to. So the blueprint on Tate versus Bama had been bring more than four rushers, bring five or six rushers, play press coverage on the outside, and force – Mechie slash Williams to the boundary. So, like, you know, this is just a run play right here, which is fine. You can just let these play. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I look at it and it's like Georgia didn't do a lot of those things in this game uh, the first time around. When they did those things, they had success. When they blitzed Bryce Young, 8 of 20 for 104 yards, 5.2 yards per an attempt. Uh, when they did not – he was 17 to 23 for 308 and three touchdowns, 13.2 yards per an attempt. So I think like the same analysis applies as it did when we sat here a month ago, right? Like if you sit back in loose zones and let Jamison Williams run and find holes and sit down in holes in your zone, Bryce Young will pick that apart. If you bring pressure and get him moving backwards and doing stuff like, you know, right there, like just get him off his spot a little bit and your chances of success increase tremendously. Uh, If he has to move out of, you know, that five, seven step drop, wherever he lands when he's done with that drop, he's not as effective of a quarterback. And if you bring guys up the middle he will get onto his back foot, uh, 
right here, you're going to see, you know, like that's, that's what you got to do. Did Georgia get home there? No. Did they rush that play? Did they affect the timing? Did that pressure get into Bryce Young's head a little bit? Yeah, it did. And so I think like that's, that's the first key point here, obviously. Um, I, I still don't know why Georgia decided to change the philosophy 13 games into the season after giving up the 6.9 points per game all year. And then they went right back to the same philosophy against Michigan and had a lot of success. So however you want to, you know, at this point, the reasons why I don't matter, but the reality is that I expect Georgia to, to play a better game defensively. You know, uh, I'm sure you saw the stat that went around this week. Georgia had three coverage busts of 20 plus yards this year. All three of them came against Alabama. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of them right there. Uh, you, you had a, another one that resulted in a touchdown, like, you take away one or two of the giant explosive plays and you're right in this football game. Um, I also think that Alabama sort of broke Georgia from a game state perspective by scoring five straight times. You got into a situation where Stetson Bennett threw 48 times. And if Georgia finds themselves down a possession or even two possessions in this game, they cannot get into we don't trust our defense mode. Georgia has to, you know, Todd Mocken needs to call this game like his defense is going to get stops because if he does, I think that they will stay in it. Um, a lot of talk about the secondary after this game. And we talked about on this show, the matchup we were most concerned about was with Chris Smith hobbled. We didn't know if he was going to play. We didn't know who was going to play that star slash slot corner position. And the staff elected to go to w William Poole the third there. Uh, in this game, William Poole was targeted 11 times. He gave up nine catches for 164 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, if you go through the rest of the secondary, seen eight targets, six catches allowed, 80 yards, 44 yards after the catch. Not, not good, but not awful. Um, Ringo targeted six times. He gave up two catches. Most of the yardage he gave up was on that one play down the sideline the first drive of the third quarter uh he, you know that was a a long touchdown pass but other than that you know total in the game he gave up 63 yards Kendrick targeted five times only gave up three catches 27 yards you'll live with that all day on the outside uh Channing Tindall when he was in coverage two targets one catch allowed same with Quay Walker two targets two catches allowed for 21 yards uh Dan Jackson he gave up 40 yards on one target for one reception. So if you go back and look at this game, like I think that if Georgia fixes, fixes that slot corner position, um, all of a sudden you're looking at a box score where, I mean, how many yards did Bryce Young have first time around? Uh, 401 or something like that for three. Um, Let's see. Yeah, first time around in this game, he throws for 421. So you knock 164 yards off of that, you're, you know, at 360. Yeah. Uh, that's – I'm sorry, 260. 260. If if Georgia holds them to under 300 yards passing, I yeah. would expect them to win this game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, like, that's the key here is that, that slot corner star position, bringing more pressure – um, and staying in your, your game flow if you're Georgia. You know, looking at it, I break it down. You know, you, you, you talk about the, the middle eight a lot um, and winning that middle eight, which Georgia consistently did throughout the season. Uh, it wasn't quite the middle eight in this game, but it certainly was the, the second and third quarters. The first quarter, Georgia's defense held Alabama to 33% success rate, 4.3 yards per play. Um, and then, and also in the fourth quarter, which, you know, there was some garbage time, some run out of the clock, but still, even then they 25% success rate, 3.6 yards per play and a negative EPA, both in the first and the fourth quarters. Now the second and third, uh, up 10 yards to play 60% success rate. Um, and it's a massive EPA. So yeah, those were, that's where the game was lost. You talked about the, the scoring on five straight drives. Um, and the game flow just was kind of out the window at that point. So, 
Um, and you've documented, you've talked about those breakdowns and those coverage. So yeah, there's, there's the things you can clean up. They did, they weren't, again, Georgia was up 10, nothing. They did not, they had a game plan. They had some offense that worked. Um, and whether it was, you know, some players that weren't hundred percent on the D line or, uh, you know, and certainly in the secondary and, and play got playing guys like Dan Jackson, uh, you know, that's hopefully not going to be the case for the majority of the game and that we Georgia can improve on the defense. That's the thing that gave me the most encouragement is, was that, yeah, we've seen this defense. We know that it was an uncharacteristic performance out of the defense and that can get cleaned up. Um, if Georgia, you know, if it had been trying to outscore teams all year, then, you know, I'd be a little concerned about our offense, but even then our offense put up a, a you know, a ton of yards and they just didn't convert and they made some mistakes. So those can get cleaned up and, you know, there's no reason why this shouldn't be a great game. Um, and hopefully, God God willing, a Georgia win. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. Um, like, there is I, – I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, if this wasn't Alabama, I think we would all be talking about this game a lot differently than we are. Right. Like, I, I mean, I think that's just the truth. Like I think this whole Alabama Nick Saban thing is so in the heads of a lot of Georgia fans that it's just, maybe it doesn't get viewed rationally or, you know, it like there's the football side of things and you factor all that in there. And then there becomes this like other, you know, kind of, bugaboo thing that you also factor into these games when you talk about them and and i don't know that that's necessarily the right way to to look at this like i think it'd be foolish for us to try and like project or predict the the mental state of a hundred and something dudes on a football field so uh yeah that's there i guarantee their mental state's better than ours well, I mean, I think that Georgia has a huge edge from a psychological motivation, the rematch angle. I mean, I think that that, like, it's it's a lot harder to get motivated to beat the same team twice than, and it's a lot harder to convince yourself that you know you're you've got I, this big thing to prove and all that. So I think I think there's motivation, you know, and I think that the I mean, um, it's a national championship game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's how to har- now which team can harness it and 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 make it an asset as opposed to over, you know, a detriment is what that's what coaches got to figure out. You know, that's why they get paid, you know, a ton of money to do, um, you know, interesting thing that I don't know if you checked out, but Pete Thamel on Yahoo and on both, he wrote an article and uh, on the podcast he does with Wetzel talked about, he interviewed a bunch of coordinators throughout the sec. And he talked about in the sec championship that some of these, these blitzes and pressures were, were, were coming and were tipped off and that Bryce young had, um, you know, he, he was coached up and knew how to know where they were coming from and where to go with the ball. And if Georgia can clean those up and not tip their hand up, he expects that the the pressure that we've seen all season um, to to come back against this game and, and possibly and hopefully confuse Bryce Young and not make some of these decisions and some of these things he's got to do in the face of that pressure, um, make it a little harder and hopefully less successful. Um, so that's that's what an interesting – Samuel's prediction on the game? Did he, uh, he took Georgia. He took Georgia. Uh, I think it was a like a 30 to 24 kind of game. I think he, I no, he had a 24 21 is what he had or 23 20. It was a, it was a close game right on the number, but he had the under and uh, and Georgia win. Nice. So yeah, let's kind of get into some more recent tape. Um, there's some things that I think Georgia fixed on offense and defense against Michigan that were relevant to the first game against Bama, and I think if they can continue what they did in the orange bowl, it'll go a long way towards them hopefully winning this game. Uh, all right. So here we got some orange bowl. Uh, so yeah, Stetson Bennett, uh, if you're in a situation where the pocket breaks down, you just go run, man, go get what you can get. If you can do that in the open field, then you need to be taken off and running whenever, you know, whenever the, your offensive line, loses protection in a spot you just go for it and go be athletic and go do your thing um you know i like i think that's pretty straightforward and simple uh we saw him with the 20 yard run when aiden hutchinson came clean unblocked you know we saw him make a lot of plays where he got the ball out quick 
and kept Michigan from getting pressure. And I think that's a big part of this game is like if Georgia's stays in their game plan and doesn't act like it's five minutes left and they're down 14 and they're only running deep routes, then he'll have those throws to get the ball out early. Uh, we talked in the pregame about Georgia being able to use their speed and get on the outside against the inside linebackers of Michigan and beating them to the edge. We said all these same things when we talked about Georgia, Alabama one Toto and Harris are good linebackers, but they're not very good in coverage. Um, They haven't, you know, they haven't been good in coverage all year. They're probably a little bit faster laterally than the Michigan, Michigan linebackers, but there still should be matchups for Kenny McIntosh and James Cook to, you know, do some things like this and for Georgia to get out and block and create some easy first downs and easy kind of long lateral throws that are an extension of the the running game. So I look for that. Um, I, yeah, like I, I think that this worked so well for Georgia, you know, 84 yards on 11 throws behind the line of scrimmage for seven point something yards in attempt like that. I think should continue to be part of your game plan because the one truth about these two teams is when they face each other, both of them always have to throw more than they normally do because they're both built to stop the run. So if you're going to have to throw more then do it in a non-dangerous way, do it in a way where, you know, you're not asking Stetson to throw into the teeth of the defense 35 times, do it in a way where you're, you're basically having long handoffs. And I think that, you know, Will Anderson will be out there somewhere. Um, Georgia did a decent enough job against him last time. Oh, yeah. Are these those first downs? Yeah, yeah. I, but keep talking. Yeah, I just yeah. Get... yeah, so, I mean, I think that, like, a big part of the Will Anderson story is uh, having success on first down, not putting yourself in situations where it's third and seven, third and nine, and – everyone in the stadium knows that you're about to pass and he's able to just pin his ears back. Uh, Cause I think a good way to wear him down is to throw behind him. Like Georgia did with Hutchinson and Ojabo in that Michigan game and make him pursue downfield and make him think twice about just trying to get upfield as quickly as he can at the snap. Um, that's, that's a list of Georgia's first down plays in the first half. Like they were tremendously good on those first, two drives um they were really tremendously good throughout most of the first half and that was the ball game yeah 35 7 9 7 9 18 27 uh 20 and you know uh even 6 12 these are huge plays and like you said took the pressure off of of what you got to do on third down i mean that's what success rate is it's like you know you have 50 percent of the yards to gain on first down that's you know what do you want to call it keeping the offense on schedule staying ahead of the sticks whatever it is that's what an efficient offense has to do and certainly in, in you know every game except the georgia and even for a good portion of the, the alabama game georgia was very successful on first downs i mean uh and third downs were weren't great uh when they were had to pass the ball all season long so monkin knows that he's not you know they they got a find a way to get the playmakers the ball in space and and get yards on first down. Yeah. And I think if you're Georgia, um, do you want to be in third and long? No, you don't. But you know, they were three of 12 on third downs in that last game. It's hard for me to imagine them having a worse performance than that on third down. You know what I mean? Like the, some of the variant stuff that you talked about before the, the orange bowl, right. Of Michigan's quarterback being, uh, surprisingly good under pressure and we got some screen something going on here man hang on a second yeah um but yeah i mean you talked about Cade mcnamara being really good under pressure and stetson bennett being really bad under pressure you go back and look at what happened in that game uh stetson bennett came a little bit up towards mediocre and mcnamara came back down towards earth and i think that the same probably applies for three of 12 on third down uh, I think that, you know, Georgia, it's hard for me to think of them being in as many third and longs in a game where they're not behind, you know, where they don't give up scores on five straight possessions. It's hard for me to feel like they're going to call the types of plays on first and second down that will put them in third and very, very long. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, even if they do, I think you could expect to see more like a six of 12 performance than a three of 12 performance. Is that fair in your mind? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and they're not going to, I don't think they're going to go eight of 10 or eight of, you know, or 10 of 15 on third downs, but you know, even if they're manageable, that just opens up the playbook and you're not, you know, behind the sticks. And I think Georgia is going to be going to play to that, to those strengths. And I don't think they're going to try to, to do anything that's not going to work. They're not going to throw down, you know, long passes downfield, just trying to get a guy isolated and put, make Stetson put it on a dime. They're going to get their balls. Like you say, behind the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage uh, check downs and just take what the defense can, is giving them. I think Georgia Alabama's defense probably played one of its best games of the year as well. Um, and I mean, you can, and I mean, see, we're talking about the Georgia offense. Let me see if I can pull up one of these stats here. Um, Let's see here. Scoring. Um, you know, Georgia, you know, had plenty of successful plays over 30 here. Let me see here. Uh, a game and, you know, and, and they allowed 20 to 25 and they allowed 30, you know, 7.7 yards per play. Again, on the flip side of that, I mean, Georgia's defense can, can limit those successful plays, limit the explosives like they did all year long. I mean, look at this. This, this game just jumps out at you. And that Michigan offense was good. That Kentucky offense was good. That Auburn, I mean, not the Auburn as much, but Arkansas was good. And these, and you know, it, it goes to show you that on the on the inside, I mean, they we just we just talked about it. They played their worst game of the year, certainly on defense. I don't know if they played their worst game of the year on offense, but you know, they made their biggest mistakes, and I think those are easier to clean up. You yeah. know, that you know, especially on that rollout where you know Stetson threw it, he could have gotten those yards. I mean, he just that's stuff that you can clean up, and 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 I just don't think that we got beat we as much as as Bama played as well as, as Alabama played, we beat ourselves on a lot of that facets of that game. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that, you know, there's, I look at it like Georgia scored 24 points in that game, despite being horrible in the red zone, uh, despite, you know, really struggling with third downs, despite two turnovers, Call me crazy here, but like it does feel like there is a scenario, like there is a game out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen on Monday night, but like there is a game where Georgia could go out and score 38 to 42 on Alabama. Like just looking at how they move the ball the first time around, is that crazy to think in your opinion? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, anything's possible. You know, I I think it's more likely that that Georgia allows 17 or less. I mean, which is I, I agree with that too. I agree. Yeah, with, I yeah, mean, I think that's where you're more likely to see the. This is the stat scores. I was looking for: was the Georgia scoring efficiency allowed all year long, and they were allowing mm-hmm. half a point on the scoreboard. These are actual points; these are not theoretical points. These are points on the scoreboard per successful play. Uh, they allowed 33 successful plays against Alabama for you know 34 points. I took out that pick six. So sure. put it, uh, So I mean, that's they. You know, they. You know, defensive efficient scoring efficiency was doubled in that game. So. You know, even if they cut that in half and add point, you know, I had estimated they're going to be between 0.65 and 7.7, you know, something like that per successful play. And without without the big play and you make them drive in that second half, in that third quarter, it, that that's totally reasonable to think that they can bring that back down and Georgia can go. And they allowed, um, you know, giving up those two uh, interceptions or that one interception in the red zone that Georgia's offensive scoring efficiency is going to go up too. So um, I, I, I don't, I, I do, I, I don't think, I don't think 42 would be a monumental thing. I think that's going to take a pick six, to be honest. I just don't think that the offense that they're going to go out there is going to be one that's going to try to score that many points. Um, you know, that's probably true. I mean, I, I don't know. I think if you're Georgia, you know, do you try to limit possessions in this game and try to like run long or, or do you go back and look at your performance in the cotton bowl in the first half and realize that like, you looked way better running tempo and be, you know, not necessarily trying to have drives where you score from far away, but trying to have drives where once you get that first, first down and you have that defense off balance, you stay on the accelerator and keep them scrambling around and, and, you know, really kind of try to wear that them out and you're not subbing a lot and you're just, trying to like roll down the field, even if it's with these little short screen passes, five, six yard chunks, all of a sudden you may have run 
an eight or nine or 10 play drive for a touchdown, but you've only taken, you know, two and a half or three minutes off the clock in a lot of cases, because just, you know, you're getting first downs and the, the clock stopping and all that. And like, I think that Georgia needs to be more focused on scoring points than they do shortening the game or lengthening the game. I think if they can go out there and score points, like the more possessions there are in this game, the more likely you are to see your defense win, you know, over time. I think like the more possessions your defense is on the field, the, the higher chance there is of them creating a turnover or them, you know, winning more of those battles and they lose. So I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea what this will look like. Like I, I, I truthfully think it's more likely to see Georgia play this game a little more like, I don't know. Conservatively is probably not the right word, but like a, a little bit more of, you know, let's let's not try to expose our defense or, you know, let's not have our defense coming back on the field quick after three and outs and stuff like that. But we'll see. Yeah, There's only were, so much control you have over that, too. Yeah, we're, we're kind of talking about the defense a little bit. You want to get into some of these plays from the Orange Bowl? Yeah, so Georgia got way better over the break at defending outside screens and swings. Um you see that there, like this is night and day from the one-on-one -on -one battles that Georgia was losing back in the Tennessee game. And kind of, it was a problem throughout the last month of the season. Uh, these guys were just getting upfield as soon as they saw some sort of screen action. And by those DBs getting upfield quick, those linebackers were able to like fill in behind them. Um, I think that the defense on the whole just played faster against Michigan. Uh, you saw kind of, you saw way better run fits than you had in the last few weeks of the season, like guys scraping into the hole a little bit better, just more lateral quickness. And that's not a big 10 versus sec thing. Like Michigan had very good running backs. I don't think that there's a huge difference between Brian Robinson and Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Both those guys were, you know, thousand plus yard rushers this season. Um, yeah. I, I think that, if you can go run this one back one more time, this is the exact same bunch set that Bama killed Georgia on over and over um, in, in the, the SEC title game. And like, you see them defend this, you see a little bit different assignment there. You see the, the guy that's closer to the line of scrimmage, instead of trying to take the first guy, he lets those first two wide receivers run past him. And then he, he picks up, the the offset receiver the receiver that's a little bit off the line of scrimmage there so something to watch because i mean even going like you go through alabama tape even in the cincinnati game it's the case when everything was working like when they need a play this is what they're running and nobody's done a very good job defending it this season and georgia will have to do a better job defending it to to get the result that they want in this football game um this was different as well. Uh, UGA in this game, when it played zone, actually brought some rushers. Uh, you're going to see Tyndall get upfield on the blitz, and McNamara finds that empty space behind him. But still, like that's way better than playing zone on the back end and bringing three. If you're going to play zone on the back end and try and play it safe and a long yardage down, I'm fine with that, but don't leave that – that zone in a situation where it has to cover for six seconds, you know, uh, force the issue. And if you like, it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia plays a lot of that in this game. Cause I don't like, I think if you're Georgia, you want to play Alabama in the red zone, you're fine with giving up some yards and then saying, okay, we're inside the 20. Jamison doesn't have the, the speed advantage that he does everywhere else on the field down here. And let's go uh, this play just across the board all night in the orange bowl, you saw Georgia put hands on receivers at the line of scrimmage. There's a couple times they didn't one of them be in the long pass that Kendrick gave up in the first half, but for the most part they did. And I, I think like that's a huge part of this game is, is Georgia not letting these guys come off the lines clean. And you saw Cincinnati do that to Jamison Williams and he didn't look comfortable. Like he does not, he's, he's a fast receiver, He's twitchy as hell. He's athletic, but he is not super physical as a wide receiver. And he's not, you know, he's not Calvin Johnson. Like if you jam him at the line of scrimmage, it will mess up 
the timing of that passing game and with the pressure that Georgia can bring, that's the difference in a sack and a touchdown in some cases. The other thing that was way better in this game was the player Robert Beal and the play off that edge in general. Uh, he was getting washed out sometimes in the run game against Bama. That's him at the bottom of the, the screen there, um, standing up number 33. And, you know, he's, he's squeezing down and pinching into that hole, even while taking on blockers. And right here, you see him, he's on the top side of the line of scrimmage and he's going to, he's going to work up field and come through and then cut off that block and make a sack. Like he struggled in game one against Alabama. And there was times he really didn't look healthy, man. Like just uh, when Bryce Young was breaking contain, like he wasn't moving very well. And just, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the story was there. If it was just an off night or if there's something else going on, but he looked really good against Michigan and, you know, there will be other guys lining up on that edge. Like we've talked about on the show a lot. You'll see Quay Walker there. You're going to see maybe some Tyndall on the edge as well. Like George is going to have some new blitz packages for this game. I can guarantee you that I can guarantee you they've been installed over the last four weeks. I can guarantee you that Georgia was planning on playing Alabama again, the entire time they were on that layoff and that that coaching staff was, was doing things to, to get them ready for that game and putting in some packages and there's there's still some meat left on the bone in terms of you know defensive schemes and blitz packages and I think you're going to see those on uh on Monday and I think like you made the point earlier uh if Georgia can you know do a better job of not tipping those off that that's a huge key to them having success and keeping Bryce uncomfortable yeah and that was encouraging to hear from you know from and those are the most interesting part about that thamel pete the little nugget there they gave us was that yeah those were dcs in the uh in the conference that were watching that game and had given given them those so that's that's just not some yahoo like me or, or thamel talking about it that's or you me. Know, yeah uh, yeah uh you're, you're you're a yahoo with a lot of followers but uh <laughs> no. hey man it's awesome no you're having a good you're having a good year so let's finish this off <laughs> um I, yeah for sure, man. Uh, do you want to get into the Cotton Bowl? You, you yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do that. So just, you know, some things we pulled here. Cincinnati kept tight spies in this game. Georgia's spies were not tight. They were either too tight or they were too loose. But, like, uh, Cincinnati, you know, if you flush Bryce, then you'd be pursuing him upfield in, instead of across field. Uh, I don't think this is the right play, but that's okay um or maybe i labeled the wrong play it's all good um (laughs) all right yeah so bama runs these bunches right and we were just talking about this a minute ago and cincinnati like a lot of teams have they got confused on them and they let you know they let alabama abuse them you see pre-snap they don't know what's going on they don't know what's going on uh that first guy you see how that first guy at the line of scrimmage there he follows the the first Alabama receiver that's up. Yep. And then the the play before we were looking at from the orange bowl, you saw the, the Georgia defender who was up at the line, let those, let those guys go and, and take that, that receiver that was lagging around a little bit. So, I mean, there Cincinnati gets too concerned with Jamison Williams and they leave an easy touchdown underneath. So I expect, with Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart and all the secondary geniuses that are on that Georgia staff, there's going to be a plan for these bunch sets. That I can promise you. Does it work? Hell if I know. But there will be a plan, and it'll be better than what happened last time. Um, right here, Kool-Aid McKinstry, young freshman DB, top of your screen. Uh, this is a missed throw by uh, – what's his face? Desmond Ritter. But still, like, you – Georgia is going to have opportunities to take advantage of these corners. They are banged up. Josh Job is hurt. Jalen Armour Davis is hurt. They're playing true freshmen. And I think that they can do some things here. And I think that, you know, Alabama is going to be in more uh, let's not give up the big play mode than they are necessarily like let's challenge seven yard comeback routes. Um Continue with the RPO game like you did against Michigan, but layer on some more variations to it and some more actions. Um, this is a nice little little deal that uh, since he runs here, you know, just a, a nice, easy little 
kind of fake, get Ritter moving around. Like Stetson Bennett can do stuff like that. So take advantage of his legs, get him in the ball on the perimeter and create easy angles for yourself. Put, put Alabama's defenders into conflict. If you can freeze them for a half second for a James Cooker, Kenny McIntosh, then you've got an opportunity for them to go make a big play. That's all they need is to get past the line of scrimmage with the ball in their hands and clean space. Uh, then come to the other side of the field. You're going to see Jalen Armour Davis down here on the bottom, the other corner. He's been having hip problems. He's not very healthy. I don't know if he's going to play in this game or not, but if he is, make him prove he can tackle because, like, this is, you know, you see him not really breaking down well there, uh, getting juked off by this receiver. Georgia's got a lot of, like, a, a lad McConkey, uh, you know, let him let him get in space with Armour Davis and see what happens because – he may bust one on him if he's not healthy. Um, get into heavy sets like this and pound Bama with the run until they come up. And then once they do, take advantage of those young corners. That was a batted ball, but watch the top of the screen here. This wide receiver, you're going to see them, you know, he gets an easy inside release on, on Kool-Aid there at the snap. And that's a, that's easy pickings for a touchdown right there. Alabama did a really good job in this game of, of uh, batting balls down. And that's, that's like, that's something you should be worried about if you're a Georgia fan. Cause that's, that's kind of an offensive line thing, but like Bama's guys were not engaging with the offensive line and not rushing up field at times to try and get their hands up. Um, I think that Georgia can do a lot to young if they, you know, if they can stick in man on the outside and affect the pocket here, you're going to see four man rush, but, you know, this isn't a sack, but it's enough to make him uncomfortable. And if you if you make him feel like there's guys in his face, it is relevant to mention he's six feet tall. He's not a six four, you know, like statue kind of quarterback, uh, which is a good thing. He can move around, but he also doesn't have that height. Like he's not going to see lanes as well if if the offensive line's back is coming towards him. Um here, you got to blitz. You got to do some exotic things. We were just talking about it. But Evan O'Neill, the, the Alabama left tackle, he is a stud. So what does Cincinnati do here? They just don't – they don't try to rush at him. They just leave him standing there by himself, and they overload the other side, and they get Bryce Young, boom, off the off his spot right there. So that's interesting. Um, here, again, just pressure, 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 man. And – Hit him. Make him uncomfortable. You saw Quay Walker tee up that five-star true freshman quarterback for, for Michigan a couple times. Like, if you're Georgia and he gets he gets past the line of scrimmage and he wants to tuck and run against you, like, you make him pay for it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, don't, you know, do everything within the rules. But, like, if you can get to him and hit him and, you know, just keep him from being comfortable, this is a different game. Um yeah, and then last but not least, unleash unleash the Stet bomb, dude. Let him run. Uh, let him get out and be athletic. He doesn't have to run for 70-yard touchdowns, but let him get out and, uh, and do some things with his legs. Let him be a real threat in the zone, in the zone read game. Uh, make sure Will Anderson is not able to just collapse off that backside and add a different another guy into the box in the run game make make sure you're freezing those bama ends and keeping them keeping them on the edge there and uh giving your backs a chance to to hit the hole with with your offensive line having uh the numbers that you want them to so that's that's you know that's what i got man like that's kind of the I think there's some things we saw Georgia do better against Michigan. There's things we saw Georgia do well against Alabama. There's some some crumbs that Cincinnati left for Georgia that I think they can they can pick up on and use. And I think somewhere when you combine all those things, there's a a game plan that you like if you're Georgia. Yeah, I mean, and, and Georgia's has had limited the explosive plays, and Alabama was is was more explosive, but they weren't as, as explosive as they were as under, you know, under Mac Jones. And uh, let me see here. Yeah. And you can see that again, they, they were around 1.0 uh, points per successful play on offense uh, over, overall the season they are 1.2 against the Georgia team uh, in the NCC championship. They were 1.0, but down Cincinnati, they went 0. 0.7. Uh, 
Uh, look at the um, LSU, 0.7 against LSU, uh, and also against Auburn, 0.8. Those were teams that got pressure on him. Now, I'm not sure the Cincinnati game plan would be the same if they if they weren't up that many points, but they did. You just saw on this the uh, on the tape you just showed us that you know getting pressure on him will limit those plays when he's in he's he's on the move and having to throw on the move and and under pressure hands in his face he's not going to be able to throw those those passes downfield he's going to find somebody possibly or may run but you know hit him get him on the ground and and Georgia has a blueprint for that uh, in three or four games this year and just limit those explosive plays at A&M they allow they had 38 successful plays against A&M but again 1.0 uh, points per successful which is you know that was a high scoring game but again they weren't you they were they're not gonna say they contained him but that's like what you got to do you got to limit those explosive plays and get pressure on him and make sure those when they get yards they're underneath and and even you get up first downs just don't give up the 40 yard plays yeah i mean i think you know we talked about this in the in the michigan game like in the pregame for the orange bowl was michigan scores from far away and they kind of need to score from far away to be successful and if you can make a tackle when they have an explosive play that's probably the difference between three and seven. And you saw that come into play a couple times, right? Um, you know, they had three trips to the red zone and they got 10 points out of it. No, four trips to the red zone. And they got 10 points out of it. Like, I think that's a big deal if you're Georgia in this game. Um, Cause Alabama's, you know, especially if you're doing more things and playing more cover one and cover zero, where you're bringing five, six guys uh, and, and trying to, to blitz and get Bryce Young off his spot you also leave yourself more susceptible to giving up the big play, but you know, uh, kind of does the, do the wins outweigh the losses there? I think if you're Georgia, they certainly do. We, you know, for sure you can't sit there and rush three and drop eight and let him just pick you apart. You know, um, that is a certainty. So don't do it. Uh, yeah. And one other note that I had written down here is like, I think Alabama was a different team in the passing game without John Mechie. Um, Al, I want to be clear, you know, Brian Robinson ran for 200 yards against Cincinnati. Like Alabama did what they did against Cincinnati. Cause it's like, why, why go test the corners that are really good from Cincinnati when you can just win with your offensive line and, you know, not have to take any risks. So they did, but they had a 34% success rate in the passing game against Cincinnati. Like that's not, that's not blowing anything away. Um, they were 72% on the ground, but 34% in the pass game. So it's like, I think that the problem for Georgia last time was you had these two pieces on the field and Mechie and Williamson or in Williams, I'm sorry. And uh, Alabama's moving them around, moving them around. And you, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're William Poole or whoever, you know, the corner that you're worried about, he's he's matched up with those guys twice as much when you have two game-breaking wide receivers. And, and when you don't, like, I think that William Poole can hang out and cover Latu a lot, you know. Do I want him covering Jamison Williams one-on-one -on -one all day? No, I don't, but he's not going to have to. So, yeah, I think that Georgia will – We'll have a plan, and I think they'll they'll do a pretty good job of executing it. Um, yeah, you know, it was interesting, though. I, I was digging in some of the PFF stuff, and, and you had so many plays, and you had such a good rundown. I, we didn't really get into it because, you know, just I thought what you had was more interesting. But it I was looking to see, like, had his time to throw. Um, and he actually, in, in the games where he struggles or the games that, it, that you know, the LSU and Alabama games, I'm sorry, the LSU and the Auburn games, actually had more time to throw. Um, you know, it was like he was averaging three seconds to throw, but that tells me that he's probably on the move a lot more um, yeah. and maybe getting rid of those balls. And Georgia just, you know, got some pressure, but, uh, you know, he he had he found his outlet pretty quick. So I think, uh, you know, getting pressure on him and putting him off, I mean, that's just getting him off his, his spot and he's having to scramble on those on those games. So um, time to throw, not necessarily a stat, but it was interesting that to, to and then he also had like 2.8 seconds to throw in the, um, in the cotton bowl, which tells me again, they were moving. He had to move around and did not sit back and find his, his hot read or his second and go through his, his progressions. Like he maybe did in, in the, in the uh, SEC championship game. So I'm certainly hoping that again, I think I mean, it's talked about throughout all of Twitter and all of the blogospheres and all the coverage is like, 
you know, putting pressure, getting home and doing what Georgia did all year long. And I think it's probably 50, 50 people expect to, to see Georgia's defense um, do that better. And that's, that's obviously, I think the biggest key in my opinion, if I imagine you, it's gotta be one of your top two or three keys to the game as well. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, 100%. I mean, I think the, you know, the, the other thing that we would be remiss to not mention is the Alabama injury situation, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very big deal. The, update, the update line. Us. Yeah. Please update. I, I don't, I don't have any new information that, you know, um, anyone else doesn't, but you know, Emil Echior and the right tackle, Chris Owens, both left the cotton bowl with injuries. They're both listed as questionable. Neither of them returned to the game. Um, Alabama, you know, struggled on the offensive line mightily throughout certain parts of the year. And then they, they made some personnel changes prior to the SEC championship game. And all of a sudden they're not giving up any sacks to Georgia. So like if 40% of your offensive line is changing for this rematch, that's a huge deal. That's a massive, massive deal. And uh, I think that, you know, even if there's no changes, like Georgia's going to be more productive in terms of creating pressure than they were the first time around. So, yeah, but if there are changes, it's like this could be, um, you know, not maybe on the scale of like a Georgia Clemson game, but like this could be a, a type of situation where Georgia's creating havoc early and then Bryce Young starts kind of, you know, feeling ghost a little bit and it just starts throwing off you know, everything that Bama wants to do. So, yeah. You got a score prediction? Do you have a score prediction? I do. I was going to try All to right. make – that's what I was doing. I was trying to make a graphic. I'm just going to give it out here. Maybe I'll tweet it out later because I got to check my math on it. Um, and I, and <laughs> I wrote – some of the stats have been shown up. Let me get the – no one wants to see that stat anymore. Um, I wrote on Dog Sports uh, this week, kind of broken down, broke down some of these, like, scoring per successful plays and all that sort of stuff. So, if you want to go back and – uh, scroll way down because it came out a couple of days ago because Dog Sports has been putting out stuff all week long, but it's there still. Uh, but check it out, and you can see these stats um, and look at them and, and sort of get the explanation behind them a little more. All that to say, uh, I think Georgia's going to have more successful plays on offense in Alabama. I'm thinking somewhere in the you know 30 to 32 for Georgia and somewhere in the 20 to 26 for Alabama. I think Georgia's going to limit um, the explosives and make them run more plays for those points. All that to say, my math comes out 28-23. Nice. 28-23, Georgia. I gotta we back- love to see it. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, that's predicated on not turning the ball over in the red zone, not throwing pick sixes, and not giving up uh, 50-yard plays. So, which is all the things we talked about they're going to clean up. So, if I believe that the coaching staff and Kirby Smart and Monken and Lanning <clears> and, <throat> and company will clean those up, that's reasonable to expect. And that's why the number is what it is, because Georgia – actually is statistically better and and outside of the quarterback position lines up if not favorably and georgia's you know like will anderson's probably the best player in the field but outside of that georgia's got a lot more players uh you know and they've just got to make the sum greater than the whole of alabama yeah for sure so you know a, a couple things like i've struggled with this matchup uh off the heels of the michigan game i felt really good about georgia's chances in this game and then like you know, I sat and watched all this tape on Georgia and Alabama the first time around, and it's really hard to know that a game has happened, right? And sit there and, and be like, you know, this we've seen this before and ignore that result or, you know, not ignore it, but not be like overly biased by it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so that's kind of where like my head has been at the last few days um but a couple things i want to share so top five teams have faced off twice in the same season five times in college football history josh this is good stuff uh so 1959 lsu and old miss lsu won the regular season game seven to three i believe that was billy cannon's run in the mud on halloween night um old miss won 21 nothing in the in the, the sugar bowl um 1996 florida state and florida fsu beats florida 24 21 last game of the season florida wins 52 to 20 in the sugar bowl for a national championship 
LSU Alabama 2011 Tigers win nine six in overtime a uh, game that I love that you think is trash but we won't get into that right now <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> Alabama wins 21 to nothing in the rematch Notre Dame Clemson just a year ago Notre Dame wins 47 to 40 in South Bend granted without Trevor Lawrence but you know, offense wasn't really the problem for Clemson in that game, was it? Um, Notre Dame wins 47 to 40. Clemson wins 34 to 10 in the rematch in the ACC championship game. Uh, and then this year you got Alabama. They beat Georgia 41 to 24. And granted, that's, you know, that margin is a lot bigger than, than those other games we're talking about there. So it is. Professor know. Dog Out West, is some of this going to be on the quiz? No, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I think that bodes well. And I like I I've thought about this hard this week. Uh and it kind of struck me, you know, uh in the the last hour or so before this show like this is the same way that I felt about 2017 Auburn Georgia, right? Was like I Georgia had been the better team except for the day they went and played Auburn. And Auburn beat them 40 to 17, you know, they beat them bad and it looked really bad. And it was one of those things where it was like going into that game, you just couldn't get over that first result and, and take it out of your mind. And I would, I would remind you that Auburn was much healthier in the first game than they are in the second game. Right. Which is also another theme. And Georgia is also much healthier this time around than they were the first game. Um, And then you go to, you know, the week of that game and Georgia is uh, – they close as a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game for the, the SEC championship game in 2017. And that's what I can't get over, man. It's just like, dude, Vegas is much better at this than all of us. Um, they see this as a 50 – I think a mid-50s over-under uh, over in this game. 51-and-a-half. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 51-and-a-half, like – so they think that this is a Georgia type of game, right? Like this is a lower scoring type of game. Um, so I'm going Georgia. I'm going Georgia. Uh, oh, God, dude. <laughs> I'm literally about to type this up, make a graphic. No pressure. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> Georgia. 30. Oh my God. It's trolled so hard, dude. <laughs> All right. 35 to. I'm going 35 to 17, Georgia. Nice. I'm just right. going for it, dude. I don't know why. Don't ask me uh, if it makes any sense because it doesn't from what we've seen, but like. You know, maybe 35-24 or something like that. I don't know. I think Georgia wins this game, though. Like, I just, I, like, I don't like Georgia in a close game against Alabama, so I feel like if they're going to win this game, then they're just going to win it. And I feel like that th- minus two-and-a-half point spread is just a red herring. It is. Oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> sorry. Apologies if anyone is listening with children or anything like that. Um, but I mean, I just I like the graphics. Come on, I just crank that out. Dog out. Pretty man, throw me out here on front street. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, man, I, that's how I look at it. It's like I think that I think that if Georgia wins this game, then everything goes right and everything goes kind of opposite world of last time around, and they just dominate in a you know in a pretty real way and. I think that that's sort of what history says. Like the only way that Georgia should be favored in this game is, uh, is by, you know, it, like, I don't know. I just think that if Georgia's favored in this game, somebody knows something that, that nobody else does. And generally when you look at games like this, where a team is favored by a few points and it makes no sense. And a lot of people are picking the underdog uh you you see a wide margin you know like sometimes i bet lines on college basketball games like this where an unranked team is that's 500 is like a couple point underdog to a 
a top 10 team that's only lost two games on the year. And I go ahead and hit the money line on the underdog because somebody knows some shit that I don't know. And I think somebody knows some shit that we don't know. That's my take. I think, you know, obviously we're dog sports live. If you expect us to predict Alabama when you just come back to the wrong place. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll borrow my favorite thing that uh, locked on Bulldogs does is Alabama fan. If you're in the comments, come at us. We can take it. We've, we've done this plenty of times before. Yeah, dude. I've done this seven times before. You think I give a shit? Come on, dude. <laughs> exactly. You can't kill me. Uh, uh, all right. No, like I, but truthfully, Josh, uh, I truthfully like went to bed last night thinking about picking Alabama in this game. And then I looked at this this morning and just like, I, I mean, I don't know, I, man. Maybe I'm just trying to not be depressed on my way to Indianapolis tomorrow. I'm totally. I mean, would totally it surprise us? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise us. These are the two best teams. And it's, you know, it's, yeah. you know, which was interesting talking about the numbers. Like, I think both, both, I think Alabama was like, you know, plus the points is minus 108 and Georgia minus plus, or excuse me, Alabama plus the points is minus 108. And, Georgia minus points is 111 or something minus 111. So, I mean, it tells you, I mean, it's a coin flip game. And it's interesting it's hanging on that three, that key number three. And I think if it moves to three and a half or two and a half, that's going to be all you can expect it to move with any late money um, yeah. in any of that late. I think the sharp money's in. Um, I, I don't think that COVID, you know, sometimes the sharp money's been coming in late because of the COVID stuff, but I think this is a different game. And, and I, I do think a lot of the sharp money is already in. And I think it was – uh, and you leaning towards Georgia on that. I think there's a majority of the bets were on Alabama, but I think a lot of the money, total money, was it was on Georgia to cover. So, um, yeah, yeah lot, I mean, just a lot of like, trying to find. I don't TVs. know, man. Going back to looking at some past, you know, like CFP games, um, like LSU was a four and a half point favorite over Clemson in 2019 and won that game by 20 points. You know, like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, those games don't matter. I mean, it's interesting to look at them, but you know, winding this thing up, I mean, Georgia's got every, they've got the, the team. They don't have to, they don't have to do anything. They don't aren't, built to do you know i felt in 2017 they had to play a great game they had to do all the things that they did for you know three and a half quarters and then until they gave up and tied it and obviously what happened in eight and and even in 2018 in the sec championship game they were as they had positions of, of weakness and and they played alabama hard this year is like we've got the the, the players to match up um and you know they've just got to execute and, and play better than they did the first time around and that's what's good about this college football playoff is that you i'm not sure we would have gotten a rematch had alabama uh, had, if we didn't have four teams i'm not sure georgia's sitting in this position for the bcs uh they probably would have played in the sugar bowl so uh and alabama certainly wouldn't have gotten the chance in 2017 without the 14 playoffs so take advantage of it let's get it done before this thing expands to 12 or 16 or 24 or whatever it's going to do or whatever whatever they're going to do time is now and uh we've been rattling on for 58 minutes <laughs> uh but graham dude is awesome tape again man you just went through three games uh the sec championship the cotton bowl and the orange bowl um i'm gonna up and make these links that you and i have live so if anybody wants to scrub through some of those plays and and jump in to the discussion at some point feel free we're putting out a lot of stuff on on our youtube channel so if you're not subscribed if you're watching this on twitter please jump over to youtube and subscribe um, and again, this will be available on the uh, wherever you get your podcast and on audio form. So if you're riding up to the game, riding around in Indianapolis, trying to stay warm, uh, check us out on any of those things. Please like, subscribe, and share. Uh, Graham, I've been scrolling on the uh, on the feed on the show the whole time, but you are going to be live on 680 The Fan from their remote in Indianapolis. Um, I know you're at excited. Hooters, baby. Downtown at Hooters. At Hooters. I, uh, you know, that's like, you know, the, the R-rated version of Steak and Shake. Um, <laughs> so, with Indianapolis. It's the State. R-rated version of Zaxby's. Is really <laughs> uh, you're not going to find a Zaxby's in Indianapolis. You're going to find lots of Steak and Shakes. But, um, I might find Rig off, though. We'll see. Yeah, so we're gonna tweet that out a bunch, and you can and we'll uh, stream there. And I'm sure you're gonna pop up in other places. Anything else you want to tell people to look out for you? Because you will be at the press conference tomorrow or Sunday. Is it Sunday? Is the press? Conference? Uh, Sunday morning, depending on how. I don't know. Maybe we'll see how the, everything plays out. But yeah, I'll be at the Hooters in Indy on on Monday from six to seven. Uh, six eighty. The fan will be there all day from two to seven. 
Uh, I actually saw some pictures of some of the stuff they're giving away. There's some signed Georgia jerseys and some cool stuff and they'll have giveaways and obviously there will be food and drinks and all that good stuff. So come hang out, you know, there'll be, that'll, that'll be a large contingent of Georgia folks. So if you're a bulldog that's up in Indy for the game and want some like-minded company, come check us out. It'd be fun. All right, my brother. Get Shout off. out to Brian Hoyt for having me on his show. Absolutely. Uh, follow Graham at dog out West. I am follow Josh at dog underscore stats. Please, please check out our stuff on dogsports.com And uh, hopefully we'll be back breaking this game down and, and talking about a national championship. Dude. Knock on wood. We'll see, man. Hopefully. Um, yeah. If we do, we'll just, you know, we'll just do like four, four shows of, of post-game breakdown on the national championship. You know, we'll just do like uh, slow motion of every quarter. We'll milk freaking 12 hours of content out of this. Uh, easily 12 hours, easily 12 yeah. hours. And hopefully I'll have the hometown radio call on, on YouTube, a channel somewhere, maybe not this one, but uh, I had a lot of fun and a lot of people are enjoying that. So um, anyway, with that, Go dogs, and uh, there's a possibility we might pop up again on your feed, but uh, if not, enjoy the game and uh, go dogs. Go dogs, thanks, Josh. <laughs>